1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, it's Dr. Will Cole. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What is up, everyone? It's Dr. Will Cole, and welcome to The Art of Being Well. I am a leading functional medicine expert. I get to consult people around the world via webcam. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world over a decade ago, and I'm a New York Times bestselling author. I wrote Intuitive Fasting, which is my newest book, and The Inflammation Spectrum, and Ketotarian. If you want to learn more about my clinical work, the telehealth center, the books, and there's lots of free resources there for you as well. You can check it all out at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. All right, let's get to today's guest. He is a good friend of mine, and also I send many patients of mine to him because of a topic we're going to have a deep dive on today. His name is Michael Rubino. He has helped over... 1,000 families and counting, heal from toxic mold exposure so far. And this is just the beginning. He is dedicated to helping give you the resources you need to overcome poor air quality and create a safe home environment. Michael has become a renowned leader in the mold and remediation space. President of All-American Restoration and author of The Mold Medic, he continues to push the conversation forward for creating better indoor air quality. He's been featured on dozens of podcasts and news channels as the leading expert on all aspects of mold, remediation, and air quality. He is also a council-certified mold remediator by IRCRC and ACAC, and a contributing member, sponsor, and speaker for the Indoor Air Quality Association. Stay tuned to the entire conversation because at the end, I'll answer another one of your burning health questions. All right, this is Michael Rubino's Art of Being Well. My friend, I'm pumped that people are gonna be hearing this conversation. Thanks for being on the podcast. Me too, and thanks for having me. So we're friends offline, off, off the air, and we... we I send my patients to you as far as all the mold inspection, learning about the homes, learning about the workplaces, learning about wherever they're at. You are the guy that I send people to. So I'm excited for people to to learn about the topic of mold toxins and and what that can do to our health and things that people can do today to start to. Looking at this piece of the puzzle for so many people and for people that maybe haven't heard my previous episode on mycotoxins, it was just a solo episode. Just go back uh, into the past episodes and look mycotoxins and type my name in on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. They can kind of pick that, pick up the conversation after they listen to this episode. They can listen to that episode as well. So let's talk about defining it for people that are newer to this conversation. What are mycotoxins? Let's start there. Well, so mycotoxins is it's MYCO
0: and myco means of the fungus. And toxins means, you know, something that's a toxic substance to the body. It's basically toxins produced by certain species of fungus, as we know, uh, mold. And you know, thanks, thanks for the intro and all of that. And, and it's it's a pleasure to work with you. And what people don't may not realize is what we've actually done is teamed up together to create a holistic approach to better health, right? We're looking at not only, you know, what's going on internally, but what, what is going on externally that could be influencing what's going on internally, right? So that's why we've uh, created such a, a mastermind team here and, and why we continue to, to achieve results together.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So let's define mold in general. I think that it's it's everywhere, right? And people go to, they think of a mold, moldy bread or <laughs> yogurt. Yeah. And, and then they yeah. start thinking, oh, what are they talking about? What? They can't be bad. So can we whittle it down to what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about toxic mold?
0: Sure. So we'll talk about a couple of different things. First off, mold is a, it's a few different things. And that's why it gets so confusing. One, it's a classification of over a hundred thousand species of fungus. So when mold is used in that term, and when people say mold is everywhere, they mean, because there's so many different types of mold, it, it possibly can't be zero, right? The other thing about mold is it's both a particle and a living organism. So what that essentially means is it's just like how plants uh, start from seeds Mold starts from something called spores. And so as spores are, are kind of in your environment, uh, once they find a, a area where it can start to grow because there's uh, either a lot of moisture present or water itself, then it becomes a living organism. So you know, just picture yourself in your environment. If you have a living organism producing these particles and then you have too much of that going on, it gets into the body and it starts to, to cause a lot of disruptions. So we wanna make sure for our purposes, uh, to to create better health, what we want to do is we want to see what the levels of mold exposure actually are, and create a syst-
1: create systems to reduce that exposure entirely. Got it. So, is this is another question that I get from people a lot? Is this a new issue, or maybe I should say mold is certainly not new, but why are people talking about mold toxicity and its implication with? things like autoimmune problems and chronic fatigue syndrome. Why do you think we're talking about it more? Uh, that's a question that I get asked a lot. Well, because I think it's it's genius people like yourself that are really
0: seeing the correlation Thank between you, my friend. what's, what's <laughs> going on in the environment and what's going on inside their body. And that's really the simplicity of it. It's 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 actually the medical community that's starting to wake up and realize this is actually a problem. I mean, you know, there are so many different classifications of autoimmune disorders, autoimmune diseases, right? And it's, what's interesting, if you look at all of them, environmental triggers are a problem. And what's one of the most common environmental triggers that we experience on a daily basis, it's going to be mold. And with water damaged buildings comes bacteria and bacterial toxins as well. So, you know, when we're looking at a holistic approach to better health, We're actually looking at the home. We're looking at if there's bacteria, if there's bacterial toxins, mold, mold toxins, VOCs, formaldehyde. I mean, we put together a gamut of exposures. We're looking to make sure that at the end of the day, every time you take a breath, which by the way, you take over 20,000 breaths per day, that it's the cleanest air that it possibly can be so that you have
1: a place you can actually heal in. Got it. And I would just piggyback off of that is to say we are exposed to in our modern world today, we're exposed to so many things where just a couple generations ago, we really weren't exposed to that much. So it's that onslaught, the confluence of factors that is the tipping point. Uh, And mold is one factor for many people. Uh, And I would say this too, it's really nothing new as far as the health I don't know if you maybe want to talk about this a little bit, but even if you look back through historically, uh, there's references of mold toxicity in the Bible where the Bible's recommendation is to burn it down because they didn't have people (laughs) like you in the Old Testament to actually do something about it. Like this is a lost cause. Let's burn it and start again. Luckily, we don't have to do that today because we have people like you that we have modern conveniences to actually remedy these things. But I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about the historical knowledge that these things were bad, yeah, so it is in Leviticus
0: in the Bible, uh, and it talks about basically how they would do inspections of buildings. Uh, they would uh, first attempt to clean the stones and uh, reinspect if the mold came back, they would just condemn the entire building. I mean this is literally you know uh, thousands of years ago that we knew about mold and and the effects that mold has. And, you know, they, like I said, they would condemn buildings because of it. When we look at it today and kind of the evolution of, of where we've come to go, yeah, we don't have to condemn buildings. We have the technology to fix them. I think what's unique about my process, uh, for those who, who may have not read my book called The Mold Medic, uh, an expert's guide on mold removal at this point, kind of the difference between my process and what i found to work uh, extremely well, even for the most highly sensitive people. Is you actually look at this from a scientific perspective. And mold traditionally in in history has been really looked at more as a cosmetic. Perspective. And by that means, you know, if you've ever had mold remediation done in the past and it wasn't done by someone like me, you probably had these guys come in, they opened up some drywall, they sprayed some chemicals, and that was kind of the extent of it. When I started seeing people being sick from mold, uh, I started to notice that, you know, that wasn't effective. And why is that not effective? Because first off, we have again, going back to what mold is being a particle and an organism, you may be able to kill an organism, but you can't kill a particle. And once the organism is dead, it just converts back to a particle. And again, in order to have any long lasting effect, we need to reduce the amount of particles that the body is exposed to. So killing it doesn't actually accomplish that. So what does? The physical removal process. And so you have to actually look at a home, figure out what exactly in the home is creating these issues to exist in the first place, fixing those issues then eradicating the organisms, producing the particles, and lastly, removing the particles. That is the basic scientific explanation of what I actually do. And unfortunately, just our industry, because it's such a cosmetically driven industry, they Mm. really haven't made the mark on the science aspect. And that's why we're having amazing success, just because we get down to that molecular level.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Typical children's vitamins are, let's be honest, basically candy in disguise. Filled with two teaspoons of sugar or more, unhealthy chemicals and other gummy junk, growing kids should honestly never eat. That's why Haya was created. The pediatrician approved super powered chewable vitamin. While most children's vitamins are filled with so much sugar and can contribute to a variety of different health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes super good and is perfect for picky eaters. Like my kids, let's be honest, (laughs) my son is freaking picky and he loves Haya. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern children's diets to provide the full body nourishment our kids need with a yummy taste they actually love. Formulated with the help of nutritional experts, Haya is pressed with the blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies, then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, vitamin B12, vitamin C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy levels, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and more. It's non-GMO, it's vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, nut-free, and everything else free, (laughs) you can imagine, but full of nutrient density. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. Receive 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash Will This deal is not available on their regular website, so you have to go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash Will Dot com slash Will Cole and get your kids the full-body nourishment that need to grow into healthy adults. People age at different speeds, and the date on your license may not represent your inner biological age at all. If you're looking for ways to extend your health span and slow down the aging process, the keys to health and longevity run in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with the personalized plan to improve your metabolism, reduce stress, improve your sleep, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, your DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you are not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, the right nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And what I would recommend is to add Inner Age 2.0 to any plan for a definitive calculation of your true biological age. You are gonna be blown away to see how you're aging from the inside out. There are many people on social media and listeners of the podcast that maybe aren't my patient, at least at this point, Right now, and they're asking, "What are some direct to consumer? What are labs that I can get without a doctor?" And that's what I love about Inside Tracker is that they provide amazing data, so we all can have agency over our health. For a limited time, get twenty percent off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well. That's insidetracker.com forward slash art of being well Can you shed light from your experience what you've seen? What are some of the health issues that you've seen people have? Cuz I can't tell you how many cases that we can get them better, but they're stuck at a plateau or there's some people that they can't get better until that they they deal with this. And most of our patients eat better than most people, they are doing all the wellness stuff, they listen to this podcast, and I find that often that for many of these people this is a piece of the puzzle that's keeping them back. So what are some of the things that people can look in their life today to see, okay, what are, what are, what's mold linked to?
0: Well, I mean, MCAS is a big one uh, where, you know, in, in severe cases of MCAS, you can have things like sound and light sensitivity. I mean, one of the most challenging projects I had to do was remediate in a basement directly underneath someone who is bedridden with MCAS with severe sound and light sensitivity. So we had to remediate uh, without making noise. And I think we only had one situation where, you know, she heard something, but we actually built soundproof chambers in the basement to get it done. So whatever it takes, right, is, is, is kind of the goal of what we need to do. With that, you have brain fog, uh, skin issues like eczema, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, where you literally—it's not even like you're just tired all the time. I mean, there's days where you just don't even get out of bed. You have uh, Hashimoto's that is correlates with it. The mold symptoms are very similar to the Lyme symptoms, so I see a lot of misdiagnoses in that realm too. Yeah. But you—you know—you—you you generally just go through a, a health decline, and it's different for everybody because everybody mm-hmm. has you know, a very unique immune system and and kind of what they're exposed to. But you're, you know, a lot of these, like not just generally not feeling well and kind of that health deterioration is pretty much the main common symptoms we hear about.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to add to the things that I see clinically, on when we're running the mycotoxin labs, and then we look in the home and the workplace, et cetera, whatever is appropriate. You mentioned Hashimoto's other autoimmune problems we see a lot, just an exacerbator of people's flare-ups. Thing people that keep having flare-ups despite doing all the things they're supposed to do. Another specific thing that I've seen over the years is our is SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, and different fungal overgrowths, even Candida overgrowths in the gut, in part driven and. Prepared perpetuated because the immune system in the guts never getting a break because of mycotoxins. So that's another thing that we see a lot and histamine intolerance is another extremely common connection that I find that they cannot overcome these food sensitivities and things like histamine intolerance until they deal with their mycotoxin component to their health puzzle. What do you say to the person that says I mean we talked about cosmetic a little bit but just to go there a little bit more I can't see any mold. I don't smell any mold. I live in a new home. I live in a dry area like the desert. Uh, there's no mold here. What do you say to all those people? Yeah, I mean, it's,
0: it's, uh, it comes up a lot. I've been into people's homes that were immaculate. I mean, well-kept, well-maintained. You would never know, you know that there was a problem there. And it was astronomical levels behind their walls, under their floors, in their HVAC right? So you have these hidden situations that occur. You could have a window leaking, right? And your wall may be so thick because it's got all these different finishes that you just don't see what's actually happening behind the scenes until you open it up. So, you know, a lot of people think, well, if it's behind the wall, how's it getting in front of the environment? Well, mold is very, very small, about 25 times smaller than what the eye can see. So I invite everybody to look around. If you're in your room right now, uh, check out, you'll have something called the baseboard along the floor. Odds are you have a crack and this crack could be a 16th of an inch. You know, that is an inviting gateway. Okay. For something as small as mold, because again, it's 25 times smaller than the eye can see. As a matter of fact, over a million spores can fit on the, on the, the tiny pinhead. Okay. So to just to give you some clarity, so anything going on behind the wall, very easy for it to make its way out in the environment. We also have something called pressure changes. So every time you open a window, every time you open a door, every time your HVAC system kicks on, it's pulling air in interstitial cavities. I did a really amazing video that uh, is called the ERMI video. I don't know if I could, if you can add a link into the yeah. show notes.
1: We'll put the link to your book and all the things we're talking about in the show
0: notes. In this ERMI video, I kind of go over you know how the pressure changes inside the home draw things from behind walls into the environment, draw you know, contaminated places like crawl spaces or attics uh, and, into the, the, the you know, HVAC system and into the environment. And all of that stuff is what you're breathing in. And so if you think about that, I mean, and and you're trying to heal, right? I mean, there's a reason you're going to the doctor. You're not feeling your best. You're not feeling yourself and you're trying to, you're trying to heal, you know, you want to have an environment to do that. You don't want to have an environment that actually is adding toxicity into the mix.
1: Mm -hmm. Got it. So it can be anywhere. and you. uh, So the only way you really know is if you test, is that fair to say? That's fair to say. I mean, just like just like for you, right? If you want to know
0: what their vitamin levels are, you know, you want to check everything, right? You do a full diagnostics panel. That's what I recommend for people in their homes when they're looking at optimizing their health, which should be really anyone on planet
1: earth. Mm-hmm. Got it. As someone in the industry, I think it was actually a construction worker years ago, and, and maybe we could speak to this. He mentioned that, and this may be a generalization, is that a lot of newer builds the homes can't breathe very well is the terminology he used. Sure. So can you talk a little bit about that? And just because it's new, doesn't mean it's, it's good.
0: Yeah, so, you know, unfortunately the way we're building homes today is, is kind of going in the wrong direction in terms of air quality because uh, we are building homes tighter that with products that, you know, really need ventilation. And then on top of that, you know, like we spray foam everything, right? So if you do have a leak, odds are it's going to perpetuate for a long time before you even discover the leak because it's all behind the spray foam well if you know people argue like if that if that is not aerosolizing how does that really matter well, you're decaying your building material and it's going it's to move and shift the spray foam. And eventually it's going to break. It's not going to be a perfect seal and it's going to start to make its way into the environment. And I've seen that in, in many cases, uh, even in newer homes built over the last five, 10 years. The other problem is kind of going at this net zero energy efficiency that we're trying to have here um, in the States. Essentially what's occurring is we're building thicker walls with more insulation, more layers, And I see this as a a way to backfire because again, if you eventually water is gonna make its way in, right? The second that a building is built, it just starts to decay. I mean, this is just laws of physics here. Now, when that happens, water will make its way in at some point, maybe 10, 15 years down the road. When that does happen, it's gonna be so expensive to fix properly because you're going to have to get at all of these different layers to get to wherever the water came in from. So I see that as a, as a, the next round of health problems that we'll be dealing with will be 50 years down the road, dealing with these passive houses that we're building today. The other problem with construction is it used to take like two to three years to build a house. Like we had artisans, right. That, that used to do this stuff. They're building these track homes in like three to six months now. And, you know, in order to do that, you have to do it fast and fast doesn't necessarily mean great quality. And um, I've seen situations uh, even personally where lumber was left in the mud, which shouldn't have been done. It's against the structural building components association guidelines, but they do it all over the place all the time. And that allows for, you know, moisture to lock into the wood and for mold to start to form on on the wood. Because guess what? Mold's part of our ecosystem. At that point, they're building these homes up. They're not drying them properly before they start insulating and drywalling. There's already mold present because it sat in the soil. And once you have the HVAC system installed and everything is built back together, again, the HVAC system gets contaminated because, like we discussed earlier, mold behind the wall comes right into the environment very easily. And so we're left with a moldy brand new house. And unfortunately, this happens a lot more frequently than
1: most people are aware of hmm Certainly. You you mentioned a term earlier, ermi. Can you define ermi? People some people probably heard that. what's what's he talking about? What what's ermi exactly?
0: Yeah. So I did talk about ERMI and it's uh, MSQ PCR technology, which is, you know, we've all heard of PCR at this point with COVID tests and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it it utilizes that technology and what it does it actually quantifies 36 different species of mold. And it, it tells you exactly like how many spores and or fragments of each species there are. Now, why this is important for someone like me, who's looking to try to help create a healthier environment is you want to know what is being being exposed to in your environment. And let me let me break this down because the air tests, right, are a big thing in, in the mold industry. Everyone likes to put a, you know, a reader in the middle of the room and collect data and tell you that, you know, the room is fine or whatnot. I think air tests in conjunction with ERMI is really what gives you the bigger picture. It's kind of like Again, back, referring back to the body, you wouldn't just want to take a vitamin D sample. You might want to see like the vitamin A, vitamin D, C, right? So you want, we have tools in the quiver that we want to use to really dissect and figure out what's going on. Well, ERMI basically tests the dust inside the home and it tells you what's in the dust. Why is that relevant? Because what's in the dust is getting kicked up as you move through the room, as your HVAC turns on, windows, doors, et cetera. And that's what's getting into your breathing zone and entering the body that's the exposure, right? Like what is in your environment? So we want a combination of what's in the environment so we can understand how it's impacting us. And also now that we have the data of what's in the environment, where's it all coming from? Right. And that's, what's going to determine how we actually fix the home appropriately so that we can get, you know, better health back into the program.
1: Got it. So what I'm curious through all your experience, what's the craziest story you have when it comes to, you mentioned like these opulent homes you would never suspect. I mean, what's, what's the craziest story that comes to mind? You know, without mentioning any names, it's just
0: like, you walk into these homes that are 15,000 square feet, you know, owned by celebrities. And I mean, they're, they're showroom pieces, right. And, you know, like it's, you, you get to, to open up the hood and you're just like, how can this, you know, this had to have been built by a luxury builder, a luxury contractor. Like, how do you do something so stupid, right? And it's, 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 it's remarkable because you start to say, you know what? People, people get known for building products that look pretty, but people aren't known for building products that actually make you healthier or that optimize your health. And I see kind of a shift coming where people are going to care more about how they're optimizing their health than how nice their countertop is, right? And I think that's the shift we really need from a societal standpoint. Because as you mentioned earlier, and, and this is like a strong belief of mine, the environment, I think, is the missing link into the, to, to really healthcare in general and overall wellness. And I think that if, if there's anything that I can do, to kind of move that that needle forward, and you and I are doing this every single day together, you know, this is going to remarkably change people's lives for the better. And it's something that is teachable, you know, like you and I can teach other people how to do exactly what we're doing together and duplicate this process so that everyone can benefit globally off of this. And that's really like what, what the mission is from this point. But You know, the the craziest stories, I mean, besides the fact that I've walked into people's homes and they react to radio waves, they have to have everything plugged in, they can't have any Wi-Fi or cellular, their skin turns red. You know, there's there's some pretty amazing sensitivities that I've seen along the way. Uh, I've seen women who've been able to climb, you know, (laughs) Mount Kilimanjaro and then go from that to in a wheelchair uh, due to environmental exposures. Uh, I saw a woman on a feeding tube Due to environmental exposures, all people that I had the the pleasure of helping get better, it's remarkable, right? And you know the only the only thing that's ever bewildered me is I've been doing this for about ten years now. It's like, how have we not realized this sooner? you know mm-hmm. And I know you've been doing this for a while too, and I'm sure that thought has crossed your mind as you start as you started stumbling upon the building blocks and helping people it, it's just remarkable to me.
1: Yeah, it really is. Have you all heard about Carrioma? Carrioma is this really cool line of shoes that I love. They are so freaking comfortable and they look great as well. The pair that I have is called the Aka, O-C-A, the Aka Low Canvas Sneaker. Man, the Aka is the perfect transitional sneaker for dressing up or dressing down as spring rolls around. All season sneakers keep you looking fresh with a broken in fit in perfect, neutral and spring colors. I'm on my feet. I'm running around the functional medicine clinic a lot. And these things are so comfortable. When I go on my walk during my lunch and between patients, I love these shoes. I wear them every day. Beyond them looking great and being very comfortable, I really love what Kerioma stands for as a company. By embracing personal style over status quo trends, Karyuma empowers the conscious consumer to buy quality over quantity, the only true answer to being truly sustainable. That's why Karyuma sources their materials responsibly and design timeless silhouettes. For a limited time, the Art of Being Well listeners can get an exclusive 15% off their pair of Kariuma sneakers. Come on, my friends. All you have to do is go to Kariuma.com. That's C-A-R-I-U-M-A.com, Kariuma.com slash being well to get 15% off. Again, that's C-A-R-I-U-M-A.com, com slash being well for 15% off only for a limited time. Our next partner has a product I have loved for years. It is Athletic Greens. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy levels, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. It's lifestyle friendly, so whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, gluten-free, it also contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, no artificial anything, while still tasting really, really good. AG1 is a small micro habit with big health benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day for yourself, to take great care of your body. Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues. It ended up on a complicated routine to recover. It cost him so much money and he wanted to create just one thing with all the best things. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's all you have to do. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. I can't tell you how often I see low vitamin D on labs. It's uber important for your energy, your immune system, your mood, all the things. And they're also going to give you five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Will Cole. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash Will Cole to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. We find the problem. I mean, what does remediation look like? I mean, I know it depends on the extensiveness of it all, but for somebody that's like, okay, this is a problem for me, or I, I, I think it is, what what's the next step happen then?
0: You know, it depends, right? And, and everybody's different. I, I've done consultations with people who are renting, you know, and they're trying to get information from together to give to their landlord, to educate their landlord on the type of remedial actions that need to happen for them. Obviously, they're they're beholden to the landlord to make the right decisions and make the right calls. But you know, those are some of the conversations that I have. Then we get to homeowners, and we're talking about you know how do we phase this out so that every time we spend money on this, we're getting results that we need to to, to reach that next level that um, lessen toxic burden of the home. And sometimes it's just talking to people who have uh, you know luckily have the resources; they get everything done one shot. But I would say. What remediation looks like, honestly, is fixing you know ten to fifteen years of maintenance issues in one big project. And you know, of course, we break, we can break that down into phases and make it you know more bite sized, feasible financially. But that's really what you're staring down the barrel. And this this will get cheaper over time as we all start to learn you know what to look for, or how to remediate properly in the first place. Because most people that I deal with. Their home is, you know, 30 to 50 years old. they are, you know, they're the third or fourth owner, you know, so it's like, they're not, they're not just dealing with whatever stuff that they haven't found, but 30, 40 years of stuff that other people have never found or haven't dealt with properly. So that's, you know, some of the heartache that I, that I really deal with is kind of coaching people through that and just making sure that no matter what their situation is, we can figure out how to make things better for them
1: hmm And so, something that you mentioned before, but I, I meant to go back to it, is just the at-home tests. Like, what do you say to the people that are like, well, I did it. I bought one online and I did it myself. Everything's fine. I mean, you, we kind of intimated already that it's just not comprehensive enough. But is that fair to say that it's just, you're just scratch, scratching the surface. You're not looking at the full picture.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of like, Let's just say you're a male and you have low testosterone, right? And you test your thyroid, it, you know, your thyroid, maybe it tells you that you have low testosterone, but you're not really checking the source. You know, you can might maybe make some inferences, but you're just scratching the surface, right? And so it, it's the same thing for the home. Like we have all these different tests available, right? We can actually test the home for mycotoxins. We can test it for endotoxins, actinomycetes, which are, uh, you know, Part of the bacteria, we can test for bacteria itself. You, you know, VOCs, formaldehyde, pretty much all the things that you could be exposed to in your indoor living environment. You know, if you just test one thing, sure, it's going to be cheaper, but you're not getting the full picture. And one of the one of the things that I always tell people because people are like, you know, Mike, I'd rather have more money for remediation. Right. So I don't want to spend all this money in testing. And I'm just like, well, what are you going to remediate? Because you don't know what it is you need to remediate. Right. Remediate means like making repairs to improve the space. Well, how can we make repairs to improve the space if we don't know what we need to improve? And that's why testing is so important. Like I tell people all the time, yes, I care about, you know, you so much that I'd rather you spend less money with me to have a full picture so that whatever money you're using to fix the home, we're targeting, you know, like we're, we're actually doing targeted surgery here to Mm -hmm. fix the biggest issues of, of what's going on inside the home. And if we can accomplish that, I know for a fact you'll feel better, get back on the saddle and these other little things that are still problems, but not nearly as much. We can deal with those later, you know, and it's, it's about just coming to this, this right-sized approach. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people miss that. They, they just think like, oh, I only have a certain amount of money, so I'm going to spend it all on that. And, you know, I'm sure the same is for you, right? Like if you just test vitamin D, cool, you may be missing all this other stuff and you may totally change a supplement plan that might work best for them if you had a better picture. And Mm -hmm. so it's like educating people that testing is so important.
1: Yeah, it's a great analogy. I mean, I think the term that we use in the industry is a sick home, right? This is the health of your home, which impacts the health of you. And you can't, I think prioritization and context is important. So, you know, like you said, you focus on the bigger pieces of the puzzle and not waste your money on things that don't ultimately matter uh, or play a less of a role, I should say. Something came to mind that I see a lot, and I'm sure you've seen a lot over the years, is one of our top patient base, profession-wise, are school teachers. And I certainly don't want to make a generalization here. There are other industries that had the same issue as well, but a lot of older buildings, a lot of buildings that maybe aren't being, you know, kept up appropriately, have leaks, et cetera. They know that there's mold issues. I can't tell you how many teachers, let's just talk about any profession where they're like, okay, this isn't my home. I don't have full control over this. What do they do at that point?
0: Well, I mean, again, that's going to be another big societal shift that's going to need to happen. Uh, You know, everyone has the right to work in a place that's not making them sick. And I just want to go out and say that right away. I've again, consulted with clients who the the home wasn't as big of the problem as actually the workplace. And how do we do that? Well, they did an army of their home, an Ermy of the workplace. They saw what they're exposed to, and the workplace was a lot more toxic. Well, when that's the case, you know, what did they do? They brought it to their their workplace. Uh, you know, they asked them to fix it. And what did they end up doing? They just hired somebody else that said, ah, the place was fine. So that that is definitely part of the problem. This is going to happen in schools and in workplaces because right now everyone's worried about the liability of it. It shouldn't be about the liability of it. It should be about let's make safe places for our friends, families, coworkers, and just the general people we love. And by the way, we should love everybody, right? We need to bring human kindness back into the discussion here. And I think that's really what it comes down to. Like I know that I understand, you know, as a business owner, sometimes, you know, money's tight, but these are the types of things that you have to prioritize so that you have healthy people. Because by the way, this person has missed so many days of work at this point, right? Because they're not feeling well, that their production level must be a 10th of what it normally is. So now you want to look at investments, right? By fixing your place, not only are you investing in the place that you own, but you're also investing in your employees and you're letting your employees know that. You know what? I care about you and, and your productivity matters. Because guess what? When someone's not feeling well, their productivity is shot. So it's some societal viewpoints that need to change. And I think that the more awareness that we have, uh, we'll get there. But you know, I think for right now, yeah, you need to look at your workplace. You need to bring it to their attention. And, you know, hopefully you can lead them to this podcast and have them have them listen because there's some blind spots there for sure
1: hmm Yeah. I can't tell you the amount of letters we've written for patients and we're showing them labs. I mean, we'll get on, I'll get on the phone with your employer and talk with them as a patient because this sometimes they need to hear it from somebody else, uh, even if it's just a letter. All right. We've been talking about mold a lot, but what are some of the other, I'm thinking of mutual clients that we have, what are some of the other environmental toxins that people can be exposed to uh, that can also be a saboteur to their health? It's
0: actinomycetes is probably another one. If you've ever heard of Dr. Rishi Shoemaker, he's now saying that, you know, he doesn't think it's the mold. He thinks it's the actinomycetes and he's basically studying homes. You know, again, these studies are, we need a lot more money, a lot more funding into this sector. We need a lot more studies being done, but his, his whole route now is, is more focused on actinomycetes. What's interesting about it is if you want to know my perspective on it, because I see homes all the time and I see these results all the time and I see the correlation with the labs, you know, based upon what I see, it's really just an accumulation of toxins that it, that it, that happens in the environment mm-hmm. based upon water damage, like without water damage, you don't have actinomycetes, right? This is bacteria born. So you have to have, you know, category three water, which basically means contaminated water that has bacteria in it come into the structure. And that could happen from like a drain, could happen from water coming in from outside, like through a window leak. You could even, if you have like a roof leak and you have, you know, a lot of, a lot of us have rodents, uh, bats, stuff like that in our attics that, you know, unfortunately pee and poop in our attics. And as water passes through that, it, it's going to get pick up the bacteria, all this kind of stuff, right? There's also endotoxins that as bacteria dies off, As things dry out and bacteria dies off, it produces endotoxins. So you have these other waterborne situations. I think where I disagree with Richie Shoemaker is I think that it's the accumulation of all of it, right? It's when all of that stuff is entering the body, it just builds up, right? Your body is only going to be able to remove so much. Mm-hmm. So as that all starts to accumulate, plus you have other issues, you have other toxins that you're, you know, accumulating on a daily basis, like the amount of plastics we consume as a civilization, you know, inadvertently with all the plastic products that we, all the products that we have that are stored in plastic that leach into the products and hot warehouses and stuff. I mean, it, the list goes on the water, the food, all of it. Right. Right it's that's why i said health needs to be more of a holistic approach because it's when all of this stuff kind of overloads us it it just it doesn't work we start to deteriorate so my my thing is let's reduce the overall toxic burden and take a look at everything
1: mhm certainly i agree with you fully on the actinomycetes is that it's a bacteria so many of our patients have polyreactivity where mycotoxins, like I mentioned earlier, it's the perfect storm. It's a confluence of factors. So of course, yeah, primed immune system is going to react to a lot of different things, but specifically with bacteria and viruses are another example. Humans would have lived in harmony with these things for eons. So there are, there's, the, the amount of stressors all at once on top of that toxic mold is really the problem. And as you mentioned eloquently, just at decreasing the toxic burden, emptying that bucket, so to speak, so you have some resilience capacity in wiggle room and you're not having flare-ups and paying for everything under the sun in flare-ups and in your quality of life. I, I couldn't have said it better. So how could people, how do you work with people? Tell people about the mold medic, tell people about your work. And if they want to, you know, see if this is an issue for for them or not
0: yeah so basically you know what i do is most of my business are referrals and you know it's just because when you help people and you do a great job and it's such a unique thing right um people tend to go to the source of the information and want to work with that person i'm only one man and, and can only work so much of course So I have an amazing team of people behind me that help me help as many people as possible. And they're all trained by me and they all understand exactly the goal. They understand kind of those basic scientific pillars that we talked about earlier. And the goal is to obviously identify what could be either causing or exacerbating their illnesses and fixing those problems. And we do that all over the country. And, you know, Basically, we do it for anyone from a, a, just a simple family that needs help, like myself and my family, uh, to celebrities and their families and athletes and you know, just anybody who values their health and wants to make sure that their home is not uh, you know, an environment that's actually causing them to go backwards instead of forwards. And so I think you know, just given the fact that we all have this kind of live in this toxic world it's a good idea to, to just check out our environment and make sure that there's nothing in our environment that could be deterring our goals uh, from being met on the health and wellness spectrum. So that's kind of what we do. To, to If you wanted to chat with me, the best way to do that would be the moldmedic.com um, to actually work with our remediation firm that I founded. That would be allamericanrestoration.com. And, you know, it's, again, it's my vision and my goal is to bring air quality and environmental exposures into the mix of health and wellness. And, you know, I could never do that without someone like you who takes the other side of it, right? Like we fixed their environment, but they still need to heal. We can create them an environment for them to heal in, but they still need you to fix what's going on. And I think Mm -hmm. it's, you know, us doing this together has really been kind of this revolution of how we look at and, and improve people's health going forward. I see this as the next 10 years as probably what health and wellness looks like.
1: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. And I'm excited to be a part of this with you and have and educating people, helping people with these issues. It's really a powerful thing to see. People reclaim their health and they thought this is their lot in life to just live this bleak existence with these chronic health problems. To overcome it is truly a special thing that never gets old. All right, my friend, the, as you know, the podcast is called The Art of Being Well. This part of the podcast is Michael Rubino's Art of Being Well. I want to just throw out some things. This doesn't necessarily have to do with mold. So I, we're going oh. to diversify this conversation. I just want to learn more about you as a person, as the expert within your field. Oh. Uh, what What's your aspects of wellness? So first question, if you're stuck on a desert island, and you're looking to survive nutrient density, you have one food. What's that food? So I only have one food (laughs) Yeah, if I'm stuck in a
0: desert, but I have unlimited of this one food, I'm guessing. Is that? Yeah. Yes. It's a very special place. Yeah. I'm going to have to say chicken. Okay. In all honesty. And, and, you know, it's, it's, I feel like chicken's the one thing that I could probably live off of. Now, I know this is going to upset my vegan fans here, but I think that for me I have to have some sort of protein and that's some of the leaner protein that I can fuel my body with. And my my, you know, that's if I only had one thing, I'd have to go yeah. with protein unfortunately, I think, cuz that would hey. keep me my muscles
1: going and alive, yeah. you know. Hey, I think it's a Good answer. And there's no wrong answer. So I, we're all different. Uh, second question, completely opposite, purely on deliciousness and taste, You, but you only had one food for, for the rest of your life. What's that food?
0: Deliciousness and taste. So we're, we're taking health and wellness out of yeah. the equation at this health, one. Okay. Health
1: benefits aside.
0: All right. I'm going to go with popcorn. <laughs> I'm gonna go with pop. So my favorite thing to eat is like this, like I get these popcorn kernels and I, you know, I pop them myself and then I basically melt my own Kerry Gold butter just because I don't know, Dave Asprey told me it was amazing.
1: <laughs> He's right. And
0: uh I make this like buttery popcorn mix and it tastes like movie theaters, but better because it's like fresh and not not with that uh you know trans crap. So yeah. that's probably my favorite go-to like taste thing when I'm craving something you know, it's kind of like the somewhat healthier snack option that yeah. I like to cheat with.
1: Love it. So next question, what's, what are two supplements that have been the biggest game changers for you personally?
0: So the two supplements probably would be, I take this vitamin C supplement. It's a uh, Dr. Price's like sugar-free. It's like, you've heard of the brand emergency. Mm -hmm. It's like that type of solution, but it's no sugar. So I love that stuff. Like if I ever get cravings for food and I'm trying to be really healthy and good, like that, that vitamin C drink, it's like all of five calories, but it actually fills me up. It's like this little life hack. The second thing is I take this magnesium supplement, uh, right before bed It's called calm it helps make sure that I get bowel movements the next day. And I'm, you know, just kind of going with the flow. I sleep like a baby at night, wake up early, refreshed.
1: So magnesium for me is, uh, is another key one. Love it. What's the latest, if you're into biohacking, you mentioned Dave Asprey, but what's your latest wellness tool or biohack that you're into?
0: What's my favorite biohack that I'm into? You know, I would say I really like the, uh, the the brain soft gels like the brain octane soft gels uh, there's uh another thing i got from deepak chopra as well he's got like his own brain supplement that i've tried a few times and i love that too you know just something and i don't take it often but like you know if i have a really long day like i might take some later because i'll be you know kind of in front of the computer for a, a long time today i'll take some just so that i feel kind of
1: awake and alive love it What's one wellness myth, and you can make this specific to the things we've been talking about in today's conversation, but what's a wellness myth that you would like to just dispel once and for all?
0: Mm. There's a saying that people say, and, and it's it's unfortunately like professionals in the industry, and they say that mold is ubiquitous. And what they mean by that is like mold, ubiquitous just means it's everywhere. Like, you know, God is ubiquitous. And that's why I think when, when someone says mold is ubiquitous, it's almost like, I don't know, uh, just blasphemy, if you will. Essentially, the, the reason I don't like that statement is because it kind of gives you the impression like, well, mold is everywhere, so there's nothing you can do about it. And that's like, couldn't be further from the truth. But it also like, it confuses people because they think that, well, if mold is everywhere, then mold can't be my problem. And again, that that may not be true, right? You may have so much mold inside your home that it's way worse than outside, So I think it, you know, statements like that, that make people think that it can't be what
1: it actually could be, those Mm -hmm. need to disappear. Mm, I love it. All right. What is a book that you've read in the last year that's been just got you thinking in a fresh new way was, was just super inspiring for you? okay probably would be no rules rules the Netflix
0: book I don't know if you've heard of that I haven't no it's an entrepreneurial based book and it talks about creating a team you know first off like one of the big themes of the book is like talent density and it's like you know make sure the people on your team have dense talent and that aren't just like taking up space and earning a paycheck uh, the other the other theme of the book is like creating a culture that you know, really embodies what the vision is. And so for us, like we're about health and wellness. It's like our whole, our whole thing is about health and wellness. And that translates into the employees too. And so, you know, we provide healthcare coverage, which for, you know, kind of a small to mid-sized company like we are is, is pretty unique. And I'd say the other thing is like we're constantly trying to provide, you know, situations where our people can Thrive. And that's both physically, mentally, financially. You know, we want to put people in a a better space than when we first found them or when they first came in. So I kind of love that book and it really helped motivate me to, to challenge myself. Like, am I doing everything that I can do to support not only the clients, but the people that help us support the clients? And I think since reading that book, it's really inspired me to do just that. The healing organizations a, a, a close second and um, really made me realize like yeah well we are a healing organization because we do uh, heal people and you know it was it was really cool to read that book as well
1: who, who wrote the healing organization you know off the top of my head I don't know we'll, we'll find it I'll put the links again for everything he's talked about we'll put it in the show notes um, we'll find it all right last question my friend what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten in your life? And who gave it to you? Wow. What's the best piece of advice I ever got in my life?
0: You know, I think it was probably one of my parents who told me that, you know, I can do anything that I put my mind to. And I think, you know, something as simple as that, at a, you know, the kind of the era that I grew up in was interesting because it was kind of, you know, like in the 80s and 90s, it was very much about like. You get a white collar or blue collar job and that's what you do. And, you know, that always stuck with me that I can do anything I put my mind to. And when I actually started to see the results of that, it really made me realize that like this is absolute truth and society puts all these pressures on us to be certain things and it it can distract you. So I think, you know, putting your mind to things and actually accomplishing those things and, you know... Most people, they do that when they actually practice that. It's uh, it's really eye-opening that we really can do anything we want to do. And, you know, I know what I want to do is help as many people I can, you know, before I uh,
1: die, hopefully many years into the future. Yeah. I mean, we all have a specific finite period on this earth, you know, in this form at yeah. least. So I think it's making the most of it. Wise words, my friend. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is great. And, uh, you know, hopefully
0: uh, a lot of people check it out and starts to turn on some light bulbs. Definitely.
1: At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. Now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. Today's question is from Taryn. Taryn asks What is the connection between stress levels and inflammation? In the body, all right. Stress, inflammation—two things that I talk a lot about with patients—and I'm excited to answer this question. There has actually a lot far-reaching implications as far as stress and its physiological implication on human health. It wreaks havoc on many different systems of the body. It's associated with obviously depression. It's associated with anxiety. It's associated with even heart disease and different autoimmune problems. I've written different articles about the subject, so so if you want the longer form and all the links to PubMed, you can go to drwillcole.com. Just use the search option there and type in stress and inflammation, just keywords there to get uh, the fuller perspective on this. But for the sake of answering this question, there's a study that comes to mind. It was actually out of uh, my great city of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, uh, out of Carnegie Mellon University, and really remarkable study, groundbreaking studies to show that the impact that psychological stress and people that are under more psychological stress, mental, emotional stress are more susceptible to developing different inflammatory problems and different immune issues being more susceptible to feeling run down, having the common cold and just feeling sick with different viruses and inflammation issues. So let's break down this study. I think you all will love this and appreciate this. After completing an intensive stress interview, 276 healthy adults were exposed to a virus that causes the common cold, just to kind of look at the immune system's response. And they were monitored in quarantine for five days for signs of infection and illness. What the researchers found is that experiencing a prolonged stressful event was associated with the inability of immune cells to respond to hormonal signals that normally regulate inflammation. In turn, those with the inability to regulate the inflammatory response were more likely to develop colds when exposed to the virus. And then in the second study that was out of CMU, 79 healthy participants were assessed for their ability to regulate the inflammatory response and then exposed to a cold virus and monitored for the production of pro-inflammatory cytokines, basically pro-inflammatory cells, which are the, the chemical messengers that trigger inflammation. What the researchers found were that those who were less able to regulate the inflammatory response as assessed before being exposed to the virus produced More of these inflammation inducing chemical messengers, these cytokines, when they were infected. Basically, the immune system's ability to regulate inflammation predicts who will develop a cold. But more importantly, it provides an explanation of how stress can promote disease. When you're under stress, cells of the immune system are unable to respond to hormonal control. And consequently, produce levels of inflammation that promote health problems. Because inflammation plays a role in many different health problems, not just the common cold, but it's associated with different autoimmune problems, the people that I talk to 10 to 11 hours a day, people that have heart problems, people that have brain problems like anxiety, depression, brain fog, these are all inflammatory problems. So really interesting study. And knowing this is important for identifying which diseases, which health problems may be influenced by stress and for preventing disease in people that are chronically stressed. So that's why stress management, meditation, mindfulness, more advanced therapies like EMDR and somatic therapies, so important to deal with this bi-directional relationship between thoughts and emotions and our physical health. And as I'm always saying ad nauseum, is that mental health is not separate from physical health. Mental health is physical health and of course, When you realize that simple fact, right, that our brain is part of our body just as much as our spleen is, this makes sense. But it's cool to have the science substantiate and the mechanisms and pathways uh, for us all to, to see this thing that we all intuitively know.